Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci, a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying on the same page in this here marriage. I'm one of your incredible co-hosts, Amber Wallen. And I'm Benny. Oh, I was Benny now. I'm Ben. Oh, Ben. No one calls me Ben. Well, let me ask you, Ben, Benny, how does it feel to play video games for hours and ignore your amazing family? That sounds like a trick question. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to guess that that's Benny and that new persona because Benny plays that's, that's lots exactly of what you did games. all last night. Oh, Benny plays lots of video games. Okay. So that's something I just have to deal with, with this new persona. You know, that video game there's has been making me actually think a lot about what we're going to discuss today. Why don't you tell fans also who are at home ignoring their partners what game you're playing? Maybe they'll sure, yeah. so, understand you a little bit. Yep, I'm playing a game called Mass Effect. And in the game, there's a character who has lived for millennia, uh, or millennium. And he's a Krogan, which is, they're like a warrior alien group of aliens. And one of the characters have lived for a very, very long time. Actually, a couple of them. And it's been making me think a lot of my own mortality. Because in the video game, you also travel to across like different uh, solar systems. This mm-hmm. one it takes place in the Andromeda system. And I've been thinking a lot about my mortality because I won't see any of those things. I'm not going to live a millennium. And so the game is very cerebral. It really makes you reflect and think. And sometimes that reflecting and thinking could last, you know, two hours, three yeah. hours. Yeah, it's quite meta. Four as hours, well because while you're five hours. Exploring the galaxy, time and space is is bent here. And so you think you've been playing five minutes. And then you look up and you've been playing from 4 to 10 p.m. That actually is accurate. <laughs> No, I'm really, you know what? You needed a night of video games. I'm, I'm really cool sorry. It. I got to that. I got to finish Girlfriends, so it's fine. I finally finished Girlfriends. You know that it cut off in like the middle of the season. Like they, there was no like finale or wrap up. That's sad. It is sad. Really makes you think of your own mortality about how it does. How just I could just be cut. Uh, you know what? Good job. Good job. I kind of like you. That's why you're here. So Ben, why don't you actually tell the people what we're going to be talking about today? We are going to be discussing a Kenyan film called Kati Kati, which means uh, in Swahili, uh, in between. And it is part of a a whole bunch of afterlife uh, literature and films. And then there's a subtext of afterlife in literature and films uh, called Purgatory Films. Yeah. And I love, I love the afterlife because one, I've never been there, right? And two, I imagine what it's going to be quite frequently, and how it's going to look like. And I, actually, one of my first representations of the afterlife that wasn't this Christian heaven thing was uh, No Exit. You ever read No Exit? I did not. Oh my God, Amber! This will have you just rolling in fear and existential angst. Uh, oh no, I don't, I, 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 when <laughs> you set that up to be like rolling on the floor laughing or something, <laughs> like I thought I was thinking like the good place, but even more funny. What? No. So that's not what, okay. That's, Tell me about no, I mean. That's not, so no exit was written by this French philosopher, Jean-Paul Chart. <laughs> Sharks. That's his last name. Shark. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But I mean, that's it's We're one. Sar- it's one. It's probably not pronounced that way. Sart. Two. Sartis is like how it's spelled. Sartis. 
If we don't miss, if we don't, don't mispronounce something every episode, we I haven't know. had a real episode. I know. So the premise is that these people die and they're just in a room together and they just have to learn how to live together in this room. In a single room. In a, like a single room. Woof. Forever. It's a and book. It's a, it's a play. It's a play. Is there a way? Oh, okay. That actually works wonderfully. Is there a you, way to leave the room at all? No. They're just there. I think it's a man and two women, and there's a lot of misogyny, as I remember. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. You you could read it in a single sitting. Anybody could read it in a single sitting. And That's fascinating. Yeah, you would love it. But also, you mentioned The Good Place as well, and we've been watching The Good Place. Yes, we are dragging our feet um, because, you know, Netflix recently dropped, I think it was season four. Yeah, yeah. So we haven't finished season four, but we love uh, what we love what we've been watching for seasons one through three. But there were some parts and times where I was like, okay, this is getting a little monotonous. Like, wrap it up. Um, like, every time Eleanor would wake back up or, or I think... We where we left off like Chidi is starting over now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if y'all watched The Good Place on Netflix. It's really great. It's this concept of this space in between and heaven and hell not looking exactly as we imagined. Because we think about like angels and everyone's wearing white. Or, you know, if you're my childhood, you were hearing about heaven. But then flipping through the Bible and saying like lots of white angels. And I was like, okay, so heaven is like a place for white people. Is there, like, black heaven? Do, do we segregate up there? Like, I, I remember having those questions as a kid. Those are fair questions. Right? And, well, and uh, Kati Kati, since mm-hmm. it is a Kenyan film, all the characters are black in this film. Yep. And it, <laughs> when we were watching it, I think one of the first things he said, the main uh, the main character... Kalechi. Kalechi is a dark-skinned black woman. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you said, I think, as we were watching it, was, oh, she can never star in a film in the United States. Right. I mean, she is... I mean, she's probably a model. So this actor, the main lead in the movie, her name is Kaleche. Um, IRL, her name is Nyokabi Gitaiga. This actor is stunning. She's, like, tall, model-esque rich with melanin, beautiful, um, short hair, very kinky hair, but short in shape, sort of like mine. And you can just tell there's a different standard of beauty in the West than there is in this, uh, Kenyan film because she is the protagonist and they fawn after her in the way that America would fawn after like a Farrah Fawcett or a, I don't know, a Megan Fox. Right as the movie started, I remember thinking to myself, she would never get an opportunity to star in an American film or a woman that looks like that. Because even even the way that we were introduced to like Lupita Nyong'o was 12 Years a Slave. It wasn't because she was like the leading lady in a horror film. She eventually got to be that. But you don't get to be a very dark-skinned person with kinky hair that doesn't have a sew-in in a leading role as the object of desire like that just doesn't happen so i was very excited that we were watching a kenyan film so that we can see like the different standards of beauty and see like you know i'm not crazy i'm not ugly it's just in other parts of the world there are different standards of beauty and in the part of the world that i'm in 
I, someone that looks like me, someone a little bit like thicker, not a size two, is not going to be the object of desire in a film. Now we're getting to the point where I'm, I might show up in that film, but I'm not going to be the leading lady. Yeah, even Black Panther, where Lapita shows up, she's not the star. Even Twelve Years a Slave, as you said, she's not the star. Mm-hmm. Has she starred in any movie? Us. Oh. You're right. What's wrong with you? Yes, she was the star. Yes, but at so that point, we had known Lupita for a while. Like, I just, tr- I want to believe we're getting better, you know, we as in, like, representation in media, but I don't think Us could have been Lupita's first movie. There's no way. I'm really trying to think of, like, a darker-skinned, short hair, like, represents true strength actress. Are there a lot of films, though, that have someone's first movie as a starring role. There are films that do that. They're rare, and usually they star children. The ones that I'm thinking of. I think if we think about, like, I don't know, Jamie Lee Curtis's first film, or probably Meryl Streep's first film, which, I mean, Judy Garland's first film, they are not the object of desire as far as, like, a love interest, per se, but it's like, we know why that girl's there. That girl's there because she's beautiful and everybody sees it and everybody knows it and everybody's like look at her eyes look at her hair i don't know you you know what i'm trying to say right i do yeah i think you're saying something uh very accurate but also and and there are different standards of beauty but also we see very similar standards of beauty as well mm-hmm. where you know physical size uh yeah symmetric, no, she looks symmetry, like a model mm-hmm. symmetry of of the face all these actually mm-hmm. Um, evolutionary characteristics. But she's also, like, presumably not wearing any makeup. Like, she looks very... Her and all of the other characters, uh, with the, a few exceptions which we'll talk about later, are very natural face. Like, even in America, you can tell when someone's like, they look natural, but they're definitely wearing makeup. These characters look like they are not wearing any makeup right. at all. Right. They look, they look incredible. It was like, oh my gosh, I see a film with like real people in it. Even the leading guy, he didn't have like a six pack or whatever. Yeah, that's Coma. right. Yeah. He was, he was probably my height, but he was so, I mean, he did a great job. So why don't you talk a little bit about the movie? Now that we're like describing the physicality of the characters. Yeah, sure. Uh, Kati Kati means, as I said in Swahili, between. So this would fall into a purgatory movie. So it's not about heaven or hell, which the good place deals with specifically heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are, there are way less movies that deal just with purgatory or this in-between place. And we were, you know, discussing a little bit of the lovely bones mm-hmm. where the, where the person who's murdered is still on earth. Her soul has not made that transition. Yeah. And that would be something that we would call in between. So what, what basically happens is that certain people die and uh, maybe a few years or a few weeks after their death, they show up in this almost resort called yeah. Kati Kati. It looks like a resort that you would go to in the bush in Kenya mm-hmm. and sort of go hiking or whatever. They show up and when they show up, they walk into a group of people together, just hanging out, chilling, and they start to wonder what is going on with your stomach? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think about what I ate last. Is that coming from you? 
my belly or like from within the walls maybe maybe the mic can't it's the my belly is in the in-between right now (laughs) it's so it's truly because it's like i didn't just eat which i guess would be heaven and i haven't shat it out yet which is pure hell so (laughs) (laughs) it's still going (laughs) maybe it'll stop let me just keep drinking some coffee no (laughs) i don't don't. (laughs) but essentially they show up and right within the first five minutes, you realize these people are dead because this new, this new. Uh, well, they say you're here because you're dead. Yeah, this new arrival, the new arrivals come in, and everybody else in this village or this resort say right up, right away, "You're here because you're dead." That's the exact line, uh, which is fun to hear, by the way, because the the movie's in Swahili and it's in English, and I think. It's in another language as well, and sort of it shifts back and forth mm-hmm. between all these languages, and it's very natural of how people uh, would talk um, in Kenya. And the reason I know that is my father has been to Kenya mm-hmm. multiple times. He, he was in Nairobi. Uh, my sis, both two of my sisters have been to Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Have been to Kenya uh, as well uh, because it is a very Christian country comparatively and due to colonialism, uh, the British mandate and the turn of the century that has sort of just, just, the turn of the century right now is my fucking stomach, right? I don't know. (laughs) Something colonized because this is a real body over here. But yeah, so Christianity has like this very, very firm hold Mm -hmm. in, in that, in that country. And so I have always associated Kenya in my mind as a place where you go do mission trips and convert people to Christianity. Mm-hmm. So this definitely, which is why your father was there, which was why my father was there, who is a, who is a pastor and why my sisters were there for, you know, Christian purposes. And we actually would have, um, uh, bishops, what they call not your Catholic bishops, but in evangelicalism, basically anybody can say that they're a bishop. No one needs to anoint them or anything. They can just say that they're a bishop if they are in charge of, you know, a certain number of churches. And there's no specific number of churches, which is a little strange. So we had this man who would come to our house. My, my, our church supported him. His name was Bishop Makona. And he would come to our house and he would tell me stories about uh, Nairobi. He would tell me stories about Kenya and it was really fun because I I remember oftentimes he would come sort of in October and so I would have to be outside raking leaves or whatever and he'd come and help me out um, in between going to churches and and speaking and we would just be outside and it was fun to hear um, about his children. He had, I think he had more than six children uh, fun to hear about the kind of uh, work he had to do growing up. And I, so in my mind, Kenya has a very different um, connection than what this movie shows, uh, which, yeah, I, it was, it, it was just, it was weird to see something that wasn't showing this Christian Lens and- this Christian lens, but there there definitely are Christian elements in it. Oh, certainly. So, to talk a cu- to talk a little bit about some of the main characters, you have Kaleche, 
who has just arrived, this very beautiful model-esque woman. And she's like, where am I? What's going on? And so immediately when they tell her, like, you're dead, she tries to run away. And as she's running, she hits this, like, invisible wall. So, you know, think about, like, a mime creating that wall. Um, And then as the movie progresses, she starts to learn because everybody else in the village knows how they died. She doesn't. And she starts asking people. I know there's one other character. His name is Mikey. He's like a high school graduate. He wears like his cap and gown. And I won't tell you how he died. But everyone else in the story knows how they died. So Kaleche is on a mission to find out how she died. But this is the only thing about it. Even though this film is wonderfully done, we're going to get into some of the wonder of this film and how this film did a great job creating like special effects without there being any CGI, any expensive budget, presumably. One thing that was frustrating because, you know, I'm very like impatient (laughs) is the film was like an hour and 12 minutes and they built the suspense for like too long. So I remember at one point Ben and I had paused the movie and we still hadn't found out how Kaleche had died around like 45 minutes in. We're like, okay, are we ever going to find out? There, there were so many times where I was like, this is, you've strung us along for the first third of the movie. Give us a little taste of what's going on here. So I would, I would tell anybody who's watching it like try to be a little patient because it's you're you're gonna be pausing like damn when is the movie gonna end because i still have no answers 50 minutes in to to that point the movie did a great job at the beginning telling you right away that people die and show up in this place it's in between and there's these rules that Kurt Vonnegut, the science fiction writer, has said when you're writing a short story, which is right up front, tell as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Don't try to build suspense. Tell as much as you can and then build from that. And then you'll end up creating suspense later. So they did a great job right away. They're dead. And then they should have more quickly told us how she died. Yeah. And then they could have explored other parts of this in-between world. Because there are some really so cool, cool, like, world... in-between wor- world! There's some cool, like, wor- uh, world building yeah. within this microcosm of the in-between. One of them is that when you stay inside your hotel room, basically, you can write anything you want on a piece of paper and it just shows up the next day. Mm-hmm. Like items. So you're like, I want to not wear a potato sack every day. So let me get some new clothes. Let me get a, a cool instrument that I used to play on Earth and it shows up the next day. Which is very creepy. And so they could have explored more about that. And they don't really explain anything about that. They just say that this is part of the world and they don't give any reason. Which, fine, I'm okay with that. The other cool world building aspect to it is in the morning you have like this very short window of time to eat. Mm-hmm. So think like your hotel uh, breakfast, your continental breakfast, your continental breakfast, five minutes. But it is a hard stop and a hard. <laughs> it's a hard stop. And what happens when <laughs> when everything stops? There's this loud like shaking. It feels like an earthquake. The whole earth. It feels like an earthquake, and then all the food just disappears. Yep. And and then they could have explored some of that. The other thing is that when people move on, mm-hmm. it happens or there's a foreshadowing of them moving on 
when their skin starts to turn this, like, ashy white. Yeah. It, it's, like, ashy skin, like, times 1,000, though. Like, uh, but it's not, like, white skin. It's, it's not, not, like, white people's a, skin. Yeah, it's a dusting. It's A, a it, chalk, yeah. It's a chalk. It's an al- like almost like an albino color. Yeah, I would say that. Great. So parts of, yes, parts of your body turn, which is why I think it's so, it's so important for us to watch foreign films because I think if this was an American story, there would have been some like, some spell or some like a lot of computer animation to try to convey the message that your soul is starting to convert. And in other countries, it's just like, we just need something simple. It doesn't have to be a huge gesture. It could be like, let's literally paint parts of people's skin to show that transition. And it was still just as effective. And pe- so people would start to sort of hide those parts of themselves that would change a little bit. Like, if you remember, now that I'm thinking about it, the first day that she arrived, she wore this, like, longer dress, which was not her style. It was, like ill-fitted and the second day she wrote on the piece of paper like let me get a little tank top and some short shorts and so she's walking around the uh resort she's walking around kati kati in this tank top and short shorts and everybody's like ow ow like looking good whatever and i remember this woman confronting her being like you gonna show all that letting it all out too soon something something which at the time i was like damn why is she like slut shaming old girl but i when think they're all dead when they're literally all, they're all dead, dead, there's nothing that can happen. You can't die again in this world. Uh, well, you kind of can. But they're, they're all dead. And now, like, I'm just now making this connection that I think that that woman did that because she's like, you're going to not want to be showing that much skin because at some point, parts of you is going to start to turn and you're going to want to cover that up. Oh, because some people... Who haven't been, who've been in Kati Kati for years and years and years, mm-hmm. their skin doesn't turn, so they don't get to move on. And yeah. you, you soon just. Or maybe small parts of their skin start to turn, but it's covered. Like everybody, like think about. Um, well, you want to hide that you're, that you're changing yes. over to the next side yes, to not do. make other people feel bad that right. they're, that you're going to get to the next side before then. And. That can, because there's a jealousy. I mean, Kati Kati, like, yes, you can get whatever you want. Yes, you can drink as much alcohol as you want. Yes, you can get uh, instruments and play. It is not a good place. And it is actually really torturous for the people who are there. Because you are, like, basically declined moving away out of that dome. You can't get out of that dome. And actually how you move to the next stage mm-hmm. is a little unclear to me because each person does it a little bit differently. I mean, it looks like you walk over this bridge into hell or you like walk into the woods and that is the hell. Like you're like, I've had enough. I can't do it. I'm, I'm turning from side to side. I'm turning. My skin is turning. My stomach is turning. I gotta get out of here. Dude, should so we like pause in. so you can go take a shit? No. And then come back. Uh, God damn it. We can't. We can't. It's fine. I really don't have to use the bathroom. It's just purgatory. I, I think my stomach knew we were filming this episode. So it was like, there has to be a sound effect <laughs> to embody the content. <laughs> oh boy. So, 
the the big the big sort of conflict in in the film mm-hmm. is how to get out of Kati Kati. Yep. And then for Kaliche, particularly her, uh, for her to discover how she died. And how you get out requires some sort of internal emotional work of coming to terms with whatever unfinished business you have from mm-hmm. from the previous life. And so you mentioned this character, Mikey, mm-hmm. who wears his graduation. Yeah, uh, young kid. Young kid and very youthful. And he is haunted, actually, because in this, in Katikati, you get haunted by people from your previous life, and they actually show up. So mm-hmm. he's haunted by his mother, and there's this, I think, one of the most powerful scenes, uh, his mom uh, shaming him for killing himself. So you, you discuss, I know we weren't going to do spoilers. Sorry, but Mikey kills. We himself. kind of have to, we said, it's, wait, we're, I, I think we're struggling to talk about and around spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. So he, his mom is shaming him for how he died. And once he comes to term with that shame, he is then able to move on mm-hmm. in this very emotional, powerful scene. And you know it's this dream sequence because his mom's uh, wardrobe is changing throughout the same scene. So that was really, really, really cool. Another character, uh, the priest. Yeah, King. King. The Another character, King, the priest. He is haunted by uh, his parishioners. And he committed this really heinous... Um, not it wasn't a crime, but he committed this heinous act, not fulfilling his priestly duties, not being someone who protects and, and serves uh, as as a priest, and so he's haunted by his parishioners, and they show up in his in his room in this really creepy scene. Yeah, and so once he comes to terms with that, then he's able to just in this like powerful moment, he burns all his priestly garments and then he walks out of Kati Kati. He's able to get out. And it's, it's really, it really, uh, made me think like what unfinished business I'm going to have when we leave, when we leave. And I know, you know, you're going to have, you know, what unfinished business after this episode you're going to have, which is bathroom, right? Your unfinished we all have unfinished business. I just feel like since since you're taking jabs, I definitely feel like whenever I die, because I'm such a productive person, I'm going to have less unfinished business than you. That, because you like to procrastinate. That sounds so you're gonna be in purgatory like, damn, I left all these tasks behind. Like, I better get to fucking work. <laughs> you're like, I got a novel to finish, then I didn't pay this bill over here, and I'm gonna be like what do we got, God? I only have one or two things to do. That would actually be a more realistic movie where you're in purgatory <laughs> and the things that haunt you are like bills. bills. Like student loan. Student loan. <laughs> yes. well, well, student loan, well, most of them are forgiven, at least the ones owned by the government when you die. So that's that's good. But mm. I, it sort of makes me think, what's that joke about Halloween costumes? Like if Oh, yes, Cedric the Entertainer. This is why I really miss Def Comedy Jam and all this blackness. Cedric the Entertainer made this joke one time about how Halloween would really be scary if kids started dressing as things adults hate. So it was like, 
uh, a gas station that said 650. He was like, oh, no. (laughs) Just real, a a summons for jury duty costume. It's like, oh, he's like, oh, God, please, no, please. Like, that's way more scary to him than ghouls and goblins. Yeah, I think it's sort of disturbing for me to think that the thing that would haunt me in purgatory would not be, like, the lack of relationships that I've built on this earth, but unfinished bills or, like, (laughs) the travel I didn't get to have, you know, like that place in Thailand that, remember, why we didn't go. Oh, yeah, you got food poisoning. Yeah, but then that was the first reason we didn't go, and the second reason, you don't have to share but yeah, I got. Oh, when I got my passport stolen. Yeah, so that would be like that would be like. So it. we spent a whole day me trying to get my passport. So back. in purgatory, I would be haunted by us not getting there. That's still, you know, we're gonna have to go back. Yeah. To and visit. But anyway, back back to the film. Kati, Kati, it's good, y'all. Just just. It's a slow burn, which I... But it's not too slow because it's only an hour and 15 minutes. God, it, it's kind of like... It's not a marathon, but it's like a 15K. Yeah. And then right when you're tired, you're like, oh, here come the little volunteers with a cup of water. But I'm still running, so why can't we just get to the... Like, I, I remember being a little bit frustrated with the pacing. Not frustrated, but just... I, I And even when the film ended, there were still quite a few unanswered questions. Like one of my questions is that you also learn in Kati Kati that when someone dies, they don't immediately go to Kati Kati. They could or they could not. So let's say me and Ben sadly were killed because our house burned down, right? Ben Or we both die in a car accident. Well, I didn't want to spoil the... I didn't want it to be too closely to the movie, so that's why I chose that. Oh, okay. So... Men. So we both die, sadly, tragically, in a house fire. That seems a little bit too close because yesterday there was a huge-ass fire right next to us. I sent you an article about what happened, too. It's super sad. Um, So let's try this again. Being a woman... (laughs) Trying to get a point across. Uh, so it's we funny how I'm the one interrupting you now because usually you're the one interrupting me. I just have to throw that out there. Yeah, that's that's fair, but it's like poetic justice for what's really happening outside of our home. Yes, go. So fourth attempt to explain <laughs> the scenario: uh, we die in this tragic house fire. Ben might immediately go to Kati Kati, but I might not make it to Kati Kati for years. So, like, let's say Ben gets there, and then three years later I come. Of course, I'm not remembering that Ben and I are married. And I think Ben is then tasked with being like, oh, my gosh, that's my wife. Do I get to tell her how we died, or do I have to sort of, like, let her figure out how that happened? Blah, blah, blah. Right? Right. So... I'm just going to say spoilers. Go watch the film just yeah. because it needs it needs more watches. Because I think... Um, it's on Amazon. Director, it's free. Yeah, it's free. And directors... Need, directors from Kenya, directors from, you know, other countries who are not always given a market need to have their films watched. Period. Uh, this film is directed by Mbinti Masya. So Incredible go, force. Yeah, so go watch it. It's important. But... I, this is what I think the film would have been much more powerful. Kalechi shows up. Per our, like, American standards. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about it, because sometimes I'm kind of like, 
is it, does this feel slow? Because in America we can, you know, I get my phone, I call an Uber, it's here in two minutes or, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. But let me, let me say this. I think the suspense would have been better built up if Kelechi shows up mm-hmm. and you find out uh, Toma, who is actually Toma and Kelechi are married. Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole film, you don't realize that. You just know Tama is sort of the leader of Kati Kati. And, and he's he, he been drinking. He and he's been drinking. Like he's also drink. been in Kati Kati for a very, very long time. And so he's sort of depressed when people get to move on and he has to stay behind. He gets frustrated. And, and he's, he's haunted by his demon. He's haunted demon, by his the, spirit. His, I call it there's a, there's a spirit, this other, this mirror self that haunts him and sort of calls him a fuck up, calls him an alcoholic. And sort of that's what hit, that's his. Think like the movie haunting. Us. And actually, this is what I are tethered, which which I want to I want to get back to as well. But Kalachi Kalachi shows up. You find right away, very quickly, ten minutes. You're dead, right? The second thing, within ten minutes, you should have found out Kalachi and Toma were married, and then the rest of the film is uh, Kalachi discovering parts of this world that we had a lot of unanswered questions. And then Toma sort of having this internal struggle of how he approaches, uh, Kelechi and how he talks to her. And I think that suspense would have been, um, much more better, uh, built just as far as time-wise, because as you said, it was really drawn out because you knew something was up. Uh, but also I, I knew fairly early that Kelechi and Toma knew each other because mm-hmm. at one point Toma has a piano in his room. He's playing a tune. Kelechi comes in, knows the tune, and there's some indication that they do know each other. I thought that would have been a much, much more Yeah, or she would song. do little things and then say, like in one scene, Mikey almost drowns in a pool. I think he's actually the trying kid, to... The high the kid, kid. The high school kid. I think he's trying to kill himself again. Like he just... Maybe he wants to be out of Kati Kati. And uh, Kelechi sees him drowning. She pulls him out of the pool. She resuscitates him, brings him back to life. And then she says, like, I think I used to be a doctor in my real life. Like, doing that just felt very familiar. Uh, I, I, know I've do- I know I've done CPR on people several times. Like, And so she's looking to Toma to confirm or deny, which he does neither. He's like, just stop asking questions. And it's just like... Toma, like, give a girl something. Like, you can tell her what her career used to be without telling her y'all were married. But but he sort of, throughout the entire movie, is consistently saying to her, stop asking questions. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Don't stop asking questions. Which is frustrating as an audience member because essentially we are Kalechi moving through the movie. So you're just like, I, if I'm going to be in this, like, sort of, like, perfect but miserable existence for who knows long? Like, can I at least know who I was in my past life? Can I see something before I start being haunted by, you know, my spirit? Something. Yeah. So that was frustrating as a viewer. Looking back at it, you start to realize Toma, it was actually very villainous mm-hmm. in the way that he withheld uh, information from Kaleche. Also, uh, I do want to talk about this world building because I, 
it felt like to me these elements of the world of Kati Kati were just thrown in there without any further backstory behind yes. them. I'm not really, I'm not sure there might have been. I've only watched it once. You might have to watch it twice. Where when I first watched Us, mm-hmm. and I can't really think of any other movie, but there are movies out this, where you watch a movie for the first time through. And you know you missed a lot the first time you watched it. Mm-hmm. But you know that even though you missed a lot, there was still substance there and there were still answers. So, you know, if you went back and watched it, you would probably get answers to some of your lingering questions. Where this movie, it sort of felt like we're just going to throw these things in here and we're not going to give you enough hints to figure out. Where a movie like Us, there's enough hints for you to figure out the world building and how a lot of the the rules mm-hmm. worked. And you might have a couple of questions or want to read a couple of think pieces. But I remember for Kati Kati, as I was trying to research think pieces, questions still went unanswered. It was like, well, it's, it's left up to the viewer's interpretation on how you want to take this. But I'm just kind of like... Yes, but I don't want five things left up to my interpretation. Like, answer one of these five questions because I want to know about the food rumbling. I want to know what she did in her former life that now she's being haunted by her evil spirit. Or like, I I have so many lingering questions that I don't, and I don't think I want a sequel. So. Well, that that that's not a bad thing if you don't want a sequel. And I would also. I, I don't think the I, movie was bad. I'm just saying. I would also be careful how we say, like, evil spirit, because mm-hmm. I think the the film did a really good job of, you know, me putting a moral judgment or an ethical judgment on something, me saying good job. However, I think that the film sh- showed that there was no good or bad with the yeah. things that were haunting that, these that people. That dichotomy doesn't exist it's in not, this it's not a horror. It's not a horror film. It's, it's a, it is a horror film. It is not. It is. If you look it up. Like and, look, and the up. internet says the okay. internet is like so haunting a, horror film. Oh, so it's a horror film because the internet says. I'm, if I'm, the director I'm, says I wanted to make a horror film that was different, it's it it's it deals with. Um, so now you get to tell the director. No, no, no. Well, the direct horror. Is. No, I think when when someone when a director puts out a product or when anything is written and. They say, you know, well, I'm going to label it this. The viewer then can interact with that and say, actually, no, it doesn't have that element. Or uh, the un- there's an uncanny yeah. there's an uncanny element to it where people do make the argument when something has an uncanny, it's horror. So maybe maybe it is, but for me, it didn't. Okay, so maybe it is a horror film, but mm-hmm. it's definitely no horror film than you than that you've ever seen. And I, I want to be careful when people. When we say horror, they might think of Halloween, or they might yeah, think of... Yeah, it's definitely not the... It's not a slasher film, and it, it honestly feels more of, like... Suspense, or...? I would just I would just call it a purgatory film. Yeah. It deals with purgatory. It deals with what happens when you die, and you have unfinished business, and how, yeah. how that sort of ending, that permanent ending... Um, affects you in, in a different way. And also it, it asks the question, there are moments even in our lives where we have this permanent ending. Things just stop and we look back and we know we can never go back to that that after, that before life, but we can still reflect on it. And I think that does, uh, this film does a, a great job of 
showing the power of reflection when there's a definite ending point. Uh, I mean, I think it, I'm definitely curious and excited to watch more Kenyan films because I just, I, I need to sort of like recalibrate my pacing for films when I watch foreign films because almost every film, almost every non-American film I watch, I have a pacing issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like when I watch a film that has a host of other actors in other countries, I or what? what's that film that we saw in Thailand? It was really good, but I still had a pacing issue. Uh, it might have been a Korean film. Uh, it was, yeah, it was called it was The called Burning. The Burning. The Burning. I remember thinking the same thing, or I remember really loving uh, Old Boy. Like, the original old boy. I was like, whoo, we are burning some time here. So, I don't, I, I'm starting to think that, you remember? That was a really good film, but I don't know. Like, I think it's because in America, we just watch so many films. And if that's not, like, a cold open where people are getting their heads cut off and bullets through the sky and the film comes in and like does some quick combat right away. I, I I question like, because I've seen so many different American films and you know, they give it to us like, ah, 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 ah. Well, I think I would call it laugh track culture, right? Like you're, you're cued to laugh or you're cued to respond Mm -hmm. by an external, um, laugh track. Right. Okay. Right, and if you grow up watching lots of sitcoms, yeah. you're so cute to respond. Right, and so then when you watch something like The Office, you're like, "What? Where's the? Well, the Should I laugh here?" <laughs> well, the cues, the cues are still there, though. The they, cues are still there, the, but I remember they look at the screen, which is so. I remember there. as a viewer going yeah. from a shift of like watching The Huxtables, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, to watching something like Parks and Rec or The Office. Still, fu- they're all funny to me. But I remember thinking, like, I don't understand this, like, deadpan comedy thing yet. And then I got calibrated to it because there were so many types of... What? Don't you start talking shit about The Office. I'm not talking... I No, no. The Office is fine. True horror. True horror. (laughs) Fuck you. It's so funny. First, I want to talk about the burning. I do want to talk about the burning because I'm not necessarily... I don't think this is just a foreign thing, right? Uh, no, I, I, my point is, I don't think it's a foreign thing. I think America, foreign I, film, foreign. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the problem is not films. The problem is not every other country. The problem is American movies. That's well, what I'm saying. Well, I think you're also thinking, I, yes, maybe, but for me, like the fact that the director in another country called this a horror film and you don't think it's a horror film is something that I'm like, I think we have the problem. Uh, yeah, I think it for American idea of horror, yes, maybe. But it does have that, what you know, Freud calls the uncanny, which most people believe makes horror harder. Mm-hmm. Okay. But one thing I, d- I do, do want to address is that if you go, there's lots of American films. Like, I loved Moonlight. Loved it. Right, that's, that's Very an American slow film. Pace, but I can't watch it again. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. because it took so much of my time. Or like most Tarantino films, you're like, whoo, like we are, but, but most movies aren't made like that. 
most movies are like... Well, they, I think they used to be, right? When you think of mm. like Citizen Kane, with the Orson Welles movie I was trying to think of, okay. which I love. These are two hours, like, th- you know, three-hour films. Push. That's push. Sort of the, push. <laughs> push. <laughs> I, yeah, and I think maybe our ex, our ex, our attention span has definitely For sure. changed. I remember reading a book in college called The Dumbest Generation, which Next. I... You can go check out this book, but his argument is that because we uh, memorize, we don't memorize phone numbers anymore. It's stored in our phone because Mm -hmm. our information is so easily accessible. Yeah, you don't even know my phone number. We've been together five, going on six years. That will be what haunts me in purgatory. Yep. Your phone You're going to have to like, like, me. It's like, like these... the shining style, like (laughs) John is a good boy or whatever the fuck. Like you're going to have to write that. So uh, anyway, I, I, I think there has definitely been this switch to how we gain information and how that affects our attention span. But also the burning. Uh, yeah. I think another reason why that was... So good, though. It was really... It was but slow. I can't watch it again. I think a part of the reason that sort of was difficult for us to watch was it's a Korean... It was a Korean film mm-hmm. uh, uh, based on a Japanese short story, Japanese writer's short story. Mm-hmm. And we saw it in Thailand. Right. Uh, with Thai subtitles. We saw it with English subtitles. There was no? English and Thai subtitles going on at the at same, same time. time. Right. It was, it was a very bizarre experience. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if that's, it, it could have been because it's a slower film or yeah. a, a slow burn. The a slow burn. We, or I think about, uh, I felt like at some points Parasite felt slow to me. Mm. Love Parasite. But I remember thinking like, ooh, how long have we been sitting here? You know, it sort of made me sad, though, that this movie, Kati Kati, it was made in 2016, didn't get as much traction. Nothing, but it had and 100% on Rotten Yeah, well... Which, you know. It had, there's like seven reviews, but I'm curious now if we're going to see more films from Kenya because... There's been a breakthrough of the foreign film industry that Parasite won an Academy yeah. Award, Gilded. right? Yeah, and uh, there are parts of Kati Kati that probably culturally went over our heads, and there were lots of parts of Parasite that just went over our heads mm-hmm. about Korean culture. But we still enjoyed it, and we still yeah. enjoyed Kati Kati. I think people need to go watch these films because they do say something different about genre, absolutely, and specifically, I feel like. They were looking at purgatory and in a different kind, a different kind of way as as well. So, huge. and it and it stretches our mind and our thinking of like what horror is, what what we can. I, I it was so refreshing to watch a movie without CGI. It I, I don't know that to, to to see the the creative ingenuity that they use in other countries that, and, and I'm not saying animators aren't creative. I mean, they've done some badass stuff with animation, but it's the same thing last week when we were talking about how refreshing it is to go back and watch tales from the crypt and all these puppets and how you just don't see that anymore. Like puppets are because puppets take a certain, like people go to school to study puppetry and artistry. So, you're getting less of those people and more tech people. And it's, so it's really nice to see like catch up for blood. It's really nice to see just chalky whiteness painted on people's bodies to symbolize them starting to 
face that haunting spirit. Uh, also, which would have just been like a CGI effect if it was an American movie. And and this movie is so much better than so so many other American films that have like Period. millions and millions of dollars of a budget. What, it was way better than the Lovely Bones. I tell you that much. That was Lovely Bones. Was, I haven't. I haven't it was seen not it. that great. <laughs> so, but uh, what's the, the little girl named Sarasi Saras? Sershi Ronan. Yes, uh, that was like one of her first films. But Here. this this film I was reading about was a development of like a workshop of uh, Kenyan directors coming together to produce uh, another film. So it, there's this mu- there's this intimacy to the film as well, mm-hmm. and also this economy to the film that allows you to tell this very very direct story. Um, the themes are very clear with it. Yeah. Uh, you can unpack some of the world building. And it just, it, it was encouraging to, for me. As an artist. As a, yeah, and I'm sure as, even for you, is that people really just need friends and they, and, and a, a handheld camera and then some creature effects. And you can have a really great yeah, story as long as you have strong writing. And you, as long as you have a, a, a idea of purgatory, in this case purgatory, and you're building off of that idea. You don't need a lot to make a really great film. And it sort of disgusts me. When we have these gluttonous films. Like Michael Bay's Transformers oh. 15. You're oh, just like, it's... I don't need to see this. <laughs> I cannot watch another Fast and Furious. Like, why do these movies keep getting made when there are such powerful stories? I woke up this morning and told you about a great dream I had that I wanted us to, like, free write on as a screenplay. But it's like, that's not what's being made. What's being made is, like, Scarlett Johansson Presents. <laughs> Cars 4. I'm like, what? I mean, I would love to see that film. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking ScarJo. All right. Something that this question, a question I didn't think about until later was when people move on, when people move on, when people move on, which is sort of what we discover at the final scenes of the movie, are they going to a better place? And I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. I think that the film could have done more to give us this lingering doubt that them moving on is actually not good yeah. or not healthy. Or maybe they're moving on to the fiery pits of hell. Or maybe I think moving- King's transition told me that, like, if you go into the woods. It's not good because mm. he was sort of driven to madness and then he had this like stomp to the woods. And then as a way to commemorate the life of the person that was there, they have a party the next day. And so I think that juxtaposition told me that, you know, where they're going is a dark place. Like I, I, I never would think about it, my, it, it, my descent to heaven as a, a journey through a dark, scary wood at night. But uh, yeah, so it, 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 it could it could be so that the very it's very Christian to think that if you're in purgatory, you go to heaven. Okay. Everybody in purgatory gets to heaven. No one in purgatory goes to hell. That's the Catholic Christian understanding. Mm-hmm. You make it to purgatory, you'll eventually make it to heaven. You just might need some prayers from your friends back on earth, or you might need to do some shit in purgatory to get to heaven. So I like that idea now that you say it, because that procession is pretty terrifying and which now I'm saying, okay, maybe this is horror. I do like that, that he is playing with 
this Christian idea uh, as well. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think this movie taught us a lot about how Christianity manifests in other countries, how genres bend in other other countries. I mean, I really appreciate it. it. It just really excites me to watch other foreign films because I need to recalibrate myself to sit through it. Because if I can sit through nine, nine. ten episodes of Leah Remedy's Aftermath of Scientology, I think I can sit, which are I, all I over an say hour. Friends. Girlfriends. Nine seasons. The How Queen's many? Gambit, which was damn good. But if I can sit through seven episodes, each episode is an hour or 40 minutes of the Queen's Gambit. But it's that breaking up of it, right? It's those cliffhangers that are like, oh, next, next. Exactly. So I think because this movie didn't have a lot of those, I was just like. Uh, yeah. They, sh- they show beautiful scenes of the bush. It, it, it's a great movie. Please go check it out. Motivated it, to start writing for sure. Yeah. And it is something that is an, it's an important film. Check it out. Ben, why did you work up the show? In conclusion, Kati Kati is an amazing Kenyan film. Go watch it. Support Kenyan directors. They're doing some really great stuff. And we'll be discussing some more Kenyan films in the future. Peace out, y'all. Oh, a peace out for the folks. Okay. That's usually what you say. <laughs> I say bye, y'all. Oh. Academy mm, Lightroom. Okay. Stay out of purgatory. Cute. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci. Next week, you're in for a treat. We read the novella Ring Shout. It's less than 200 pages. Go pick it up right now because we have got a treat for you. We got to sit down and have an interview with the author, the freaking author, y'all. His name is P. Jelly Clark. He's amazing. So you don't want to miss out on that interview. So tune in next week. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.